I do. Can I hear myself? I can see myself. Let's stop because this has been a dumpster fire. Super Rich Kids by Frank Ocean. So let's talk about this. You've probably heard Super Rich Kids by Frank Ocean. So let's talk about this song and how great of a storyteller Frank is. The scene is set in a wealthy neighborhood in California. And the song opens up with a repetitive striking piano chord. Frank starts out by giving us a glimpse into the lifestyle of a rich, spoiled kid. Too many bottles of this wine we can't pronounce. Too many bowls of that green, no lucky charms. The maids come around too much. Parents ain't around enough. He executes this in a great way by using a monotonous voice to depict him going through the motions. He isn't talking about what he's experienced, but he sings from the perspective of a rich kid. He starts out the first verse on the roof, singing about everything he has and the carefree lifestyle he lives. Got my day up on the roof. There's nothing like this type of view. Point the clicker at the two. The song is laced with skillful wordplay and double entendres, which are techniques Frank uses to conjure up vivid imagery. But despite all the money and luxury, there's still an obvious void yet to be filled. On the bridge, Frank interpolates Mary J. Blige's Real Love, and sings about the one thing he doesn't have, a real emotional connection. The second verse by Earl Sweatshirt is still from the same perspective of the rich kid Frank sings about, but he takes a more brash approach. He's angry at how superficial his life is and lashes out as a response. In the final verse, Frank is back on the rooftop he started on in the first verse. He's contemplated jumping off this roof several times, but can never bring himself to actually do it. But this time, he's drunk and climbs onto the ledge, fueled by his emotions over common sense. A drunken misstep then results in a tragic accident, leaving this character dead. Every track on Channel Orange tells a story, and this song is one example of that. Frank sums up the dark side to wealth and shows us that the life of the rich it's not as rosy as we think it is. So before we even get deep into this episode, I want to say someone came into the studio and they completely 
aggressively adjusted the engineering board and they adjusted the Adobe Audition that I used to edit. So I don't know what's going on, but I literally can only hear myself. I can't hear a playback. I can't hear anything that's not going directly into the mic. So I can't hear anything off of the computer and I can't hear like um, anything coming from like the speaker side. I can't hear anything but me, you know, so <laughs> we'll see how this goes. And also, this is a one take episode. I'm trying to get more comfortable doing one takes and just trusting myself the first time around that I won't, you know, say anything problematic or which is <laughs> ironic to say the least. Um, Kanye West today tried going to Skechers to try to get a new shoe deal and they one, didn't invite him, and two, are also owned by the very people that he disrespected. So that was very interesting to happen in the news today. But in in reality, I'm just trying my best to not put anything out here that's not, like, perfectly polished, but the reality is, like, I only know what I know, and I'm not a super engineer when it comes to audio by no means. I cannot produce anything beyond me, <laughs> and that's okay. So I hope this episode sounds really great. I'm going to trust myself and everything that I record today, which is about three episodes, I'm going to truly just release it. Um, I hope I don't sound too low, but if I do, turn it up. Um, and I hope I don't sound too loud, but if I do, turn me down. Again, sorry in advance, but we just got to roll with the punches. I still want to hold up to my deadlines. Today, 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 we're talking about one of my favorite songs ever. Um, I think this song is very true for the time that it came out. I think this this song truly des- defines a, a generation, you know? Um, and we'll talk, we'll talk, we'll talk. Um, so today, we're talking about the one, the only, Mr. Christopher himself, a.k.a. Franklin Ocean, okay? Frank Ocean came on the scene in, like, the early 2010s. And he's actually from New Orleans, which, fun fact, I didn't know that about him. I didn't know a lot about him. Um, I didn't get hit with the Frank Ocean stick when he first came out. I didn't find out about um, Chanel Orange or Channel Orange, whatever. I didn't find out about it until, like, 2013, 2014. Like, I found out about him late, very late. Um, Novocaine is a beautiful song about being an addict, but here we are. Here we are. Um... You know what song I think I found him on? And this is going to sound, this is a throwback, a throwback, throwback. A potato flew around my room before you came. <laughs> that's how I found him. <laughs> that, that's how I found Frank. A potato flew around. That's how I found him. And if you know, you know. And no, I didn't mess that up. If you know, you know. If you don't know, well, you don't know. That's your business. But today we're talking about Super Rich Kids, which is one of my favorite songs on the Orange album. I truly I don't know why I do this with his music because the next song that I talk about from Frank Ocean is also a sad song that I had no idea was sad I I truly thought this song was like super cool and super upbeat and you know I relate this song to like um coming to America I know that sounds so strange but like there's a line in the song that we're going to get to in the next segment where he says this shower head feels so so amazing that reminds me of the bath scene in coming to America And so I just flipped the script in my brain where I just had the video be like a summary of coming to America, but in L.A. with, you know, an L.A., oh, sorry, an L.A. rich black kid. So it was just so strange when I finally caught that TikTok that I played at the beginning of this episode and she broke down like the last four lines. And I was like, oh, my God, I had no idea. 
I, I had no idea, like, at all. So, we're going to get into it, but of course, I have my segments still. And of, what did I buy this week that I want to encourage you all to frivolously spend your money on? Mm, I bought snacks for work to, buy, to keep me from going out and buying lunch. Yeah. I went to the store and I spent like 20, 30 bucks on just snacks, cookies, brownies, cheese crackers. I love cheese crackers. The little square cheese crackers, I love them. Um... And I made my own, I made like this big old jug of sweet tea. And I just poured that in my water bottles every day. And I forgot my water bottles at work, actually, which low-key pissed me off. But whatever. And so that's what I did. So if I can encourage you to spend your money on anything this week, it would be buy snacks for work so you don't have to pay for lunch at work. Don't get me wrong. I love lunch. I'm a salad, half salad, half sandwich type of bitch. I am. <laughs> I am. with a soup. I am a salad, sandwich, soup type of bitch. I am. But... If you're trying to save money, I'm going to tell you some very heartbreaking news. And I know it's coming from me, which is, <laughs> but more important, I know it's coming weird because it's in the money segment. But if you were trying to save money, the best thing you can do to save money is to not spend it. <laughs> I know. I know. Crazy. Disgusting. Who wants to hear that? It's the truth, babe. There's all of these tips and tricks, but the best way to not save, no, that's the wrong way. The best way to save money is to not spend money. And truth be told, I don't know why we think, and I'm saying we because I'm pointing at myself right now. I don't know why we think we can save money if if we spend it on things. I don't know where that logic came from. I don't know. It's a lie you tell yourself. Okay? It's a lie. So we are here with the lyrical analysis. <laughs> and this is a good one because this song has a bridge. This song has a full chorus. It has three verses. It's a really nice thing. So... We're going to start off. So from the top of this song, from the absolute top of this song, the first thing that you hear in this song is that aggressive ass piano player. I don't know who they are. I don't know who pissed them off, but they came into the studio mad as fuck and they let it all out on their piano. Okay. The keys didn't do nothing to you, baby. They didn't do nothing. Back up. <laughs> Go get some water. You need, you need a break. But the aggressive piano player truly sets the tone of like trying to forcefully evoke an emotion throughout this song and this song pretty is like flatlined which is kind of funny um but it's very honest and the reason I say that this song in general kind of defines a generation is because I would think that this song although it did come out in 2013 I think that this song defines the kids who are living the life of the euphoria kids nowadays. Like, if you watch Euphoria and you're like, oh, of course, this is something in my high school right now. This is what I mean. Because the undertone theme of Euphoria is all of these kids trying to do these outlandish things to just get attention and to just evoke emotions either within themselves or those around them. And, like, you can see that theme throughout all the characters. Granted, that's a very, like simple way of putting a complex show but it's the truth that's a common thread with every single character on the show from Rue's mom to Rue to her sister they're all trying to evoke emotions either within themselves or those around them from Cassie to Maddie to Nate to Kat to Elliot to any to Lexi to anybody on the show it's all about trying to evoke an emotion in, in the most aggressive almost performative way that we've seen in a very long time as far as like society goes but I can say that that's what the tone of the piano is. It's hard. It's 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 like, wake up. And it's like, oh, okay. All right. So we, we're going into this abruptly, if you will. 
So we have that, and then we have this other little tick, tick, ticking type beat, almost as if, like, it's a timekeeper. And when I think of a timekeeper, I'm always thinking of, like, if you have to tell me to keep time, it's because something is off with the real time that we're used to, seconds, minutes, hours. So, or something is a something is happening against time, which will make sense towards the end of this song when we get to the lyrics at the end. But right now, let's jump into the first lines. Too many bottles of this wine we can't pronounce. Hmm. Too many bowls of that green. No lucky charms. The maids come around too much. Parents ain't around enough. So let's do these first four lines. So it, one thing that's also to be said, and she mentioned it in a TikTok as well that I just want to like expound on, is how flat he says these lines. And these lines, if you're thinking about someone in high school, it's not nothing to say lightly because, like, that's one of the gripes about one of the best shows ever on TV was Gossip Girl. But one of the gripes about Gossip Girl is that these kids weren't living a realistic life. Like, how did they not, how did we find this to be a sustainable way of life? For They started that show when they were, like, 13, 14, allegedly. You know? Like, the actors weren't that age, but the character that they were portraying, like, when Serena came back, she came back as like a freshman in high school, which is 14, if I'm not mistaken. That's that's a lot. That's a lot, right? We didn't process it like that because, unfortunately, they didn't look 14 years old. I mean, even looking back, they don't look 14. But that's what the age they were supposed to be portraying, which is kind of like, oh, I didn't realize that they were in high school until, like, season four? Maybe when they started applying to college is when it really hit me. It's like, oh, wait, this isn't a private small school in the Upper East Side. This is a high school. What? Anyway, so this song is very flat. And he says some very adult things. But remember, keep in mind, these are teenagers. These are kids. Super rich kids, to be exact. I can't miss. I can't miss a pun. I'm sorry. So too many bottles of this wine we can't pronounce. And it's like, OK, so this must be some expensive sheesh. Some expensive stuff. Um, and then it goes, too many bowls of that green on Lucky Charms weed. So we're drinking wine, classy broad. <laughs> we're drinking wine. We're smoking weed. Um, and then the, the maids come around too much. And it's like, okay, what does that mean? So I'm assuming that we have people who, that's one thing I will say about the service industry that I'm not the biggest fan of is they pay you so little and expect so much because they know deep down you don't have the heart to be cold you know like they deliberately pay waiters I think $2.50 here in Texas but it's because like we know deep down people who live below the poverty line that choose this type of job are going to still perform well above their pay grade and so these maids who probably aren't being paid well still have a concern and an interest for this young boy. And then it says the parents ain't around enough. Hmm. Okay. So we see absent parents. But we also have this this visual of the parents having enough finances to provide literally all of this access, this over, 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 but not being able to provide their literal time. Cool. This is what the, this is the setting we're throwing in we're thrown into. So many joy rides and daddy's jaguar. I hate how he says that. I think it's hilarious. Too many white lines and white lines. So this is where it gets kind of, kind of tricky. So throughout this whole song, 
he's literally singing like two songs at the same time. And so <clears throat> So there's this essentially what he's saying is like too many white lies is not lines and lines, which I thought what it was for the longest time, but too many white lies as in like when you have money, money tends to buy you a lot of grace, if nothing else. And so you can get away with saying a white lie like, oh, my grandmother died today. I can't come to school. When it's truly you're just hungover from last night because your grandmother's been dying for the last 13 absences. You know, like it's and it's not that that's not an excusable thing. Grief is a grief is grief is grief. Don't get me twisted. But what I am saying is like for someone who doesn't have that much access or those that much resources or that much grace that they've bought with their finances, it's like, oh, okay, you still are going to be counted absent and you're going to still be responsible for this work. And then we have and white lines, which is just cocaine. So we have champagne, we have champagne, we have weed, and we have cocaine, all in the mix of a teenage body. What could what could go wrong? And then we have super rich kids with nothing but loose ends, money to do whatever and anything and everything. And I think to be a multi-billionaire is probably one of the most boring things you could ever do. I think those lives become very routine, very redundant. And I think one thing that Frank is speaking about is how, how much their life, how empty the beautiful castle is, you know? There's this uh, scene in The Incredibles, and I know this is gonna sound really like, how does she make The Incredibles connect to Frank Ocean? Listen, I got this. There is this scene in The Incredibles where Mr. Incredible, who lives this very middle of America life, he goes to work, he goes home, he showers, he plays with the kids, he sits on the couch, he goes home, he goes to work, he showers, he plays on, the, plays with the kids, he sits on the couch, he goes home, he goes to work, he sits in traffic, he sh like that very repetitive life. And you know the scene. I think that's what it's like to be very rich. I truly do. Um, and so that's that's a good visual of this. Um, song. So anyway, so we're a kitchen with nothing but loose ends. With my, my, sorry, with nothing but money to blow, nowhere else to go. You've probably been everywhere under the sun. You're probably disenchanted with a lot of places that people would be very excited to see. Super rich kids with nothing but fake friends. Hmm. That line sits very differently to me now, knowing the ending of this song, especially how wrong I was about the ending of the song beforehand. Hmm. I wonder if this song was written before or after the crash. You know? Hmm. Anyway, that's the chorus. So when I refer to the chorus later on, I won't redo the lines. I'll just say this is where the chorus goes again. So we're going into verse one. Start my day up on the roof. It is very robotic how he says that. I don't care what nobody says. There's nothing like this type of view. Point the clicker at the tube. I prefer expensive news. So, start my day up on the roof. Um, he likes to go out, get the fresh air. His house must sit on a hill, I'm assuming. He probably has a beautiful view. There's nothing like this type of view. One thing about L.A. or California in general, when I did go visit, all of the hoods, all of the hoods, which blows my mind, all of the hoods are up in the hills. It blows my mind. All of them. Like, when I was in Compton, I was driving down the streets, and, like, I looked over on one street, and you can see down the street, the palm trees, 
in the distance the whole downtown LA and I was like this is the ghetto <laughs> I was so like go to Inglewood same thing go to Crenshaw same thing and I was like I don't think y'all know what ghetto means because y'all ghettos y'all hood it looks so beautiful even though over there by Slauson so beautiful it was kind of like how do y'all wake up in the morning in these beautiful neighborhoods and just say, I'm going to start gangbanging? Like, how? <laughs> anyway, back to the song. Um, point the clicker at the tube. And so, okay, we're watching TV. And then he goes, I prefer expensive news. Now, that can be taken as, like, I prefer expensive, like, news on the TV. Because, you know, we're talking about the TV. But he's saying, I prefer expensive news. Like, I like expensive new things. New car, new girl, new ice, new glass, new watch. Good times, babe. It's good times. Yeah. I love that. I love that. When you have the accent that they have, new becomes old very quick. So I love the new cars, the new Jaguars that we were playing with, our Dodge Jaguar. I love those things. I love my new. I love having a new girl. I love having new ice, new glass, if you will, because it's frozen. I love having a new watch, you know, because everything is good. You know, when it's a new watch, watch is still time. It's good times when I have a new watch. You get it? Okay. okay. This one, I don't want to baby feed it to you, but, I mean, it's so cute when you listen to his lyrics because he's such a – He's such a talent. He truly is. So then he goes, oh, I lost my spot, and I don't want to just freeze ball it. I want to, oh, not that, no, 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 it's good times, yeah, yeah. Is it my favorite line already? No. No, it's not my favorite line. Is it my favorite line already? Hold on. I'm trying to find my spot again. I would usually edit these things out, but I can't. We'll both be high. The help don't stare they just walk by they he must don't care so for him it's almost like him and his friends are performing in outlandish ways to get attention right so he's saying like we'll both be high him and whoever is in his company at this time and the help the mm. a black person calling I don't I will never understand minorities disrespecting other minorities. I I will it will never wrap around my brain ever. And of course we call them maids, right? Which I think is already derogatory enough. But this scene he calls them the help. So we already see that he's like waking up in his elitist bag, you know. <laughs> he goes, "We'll both be high. The help don't stare." They just walk by, they must not care. So he's pulling it in a sense of like, you know, they're beneath me, they must not care about me. You know, they just keep walking by my room. I'm pulling it as an outsider of, they're probably walking by to make sure that you're still alive because they do care. But they know that in their job, they may not be able to necessarily interact. But them walking by constantly for you to even notice it, it's probably them trying to like, Touch base, in a way. That makes sense. Okay. A million one, a million two. A hundred more will never do. So, essentially what he's saying is, I'm I'm not impressed by hundreds anymore. You know, a million one, a million two is going to, that's where my status is. So, we're seeing how rich he is. And he's super rich, no pun intended. 
No mini, no pun intended. Pun. I'm always going to mean a pun. Always. So then we go to chorus again that I've already broke down for you guys. Then we get to the bridge, which is an interpolation, as the lady said on the TikTok, an interpolation of Mary J. Blige's hit song, Real Love. Um, and he just says, real love. I'm searching for a real love. Oh. Real love. I'm searching for a real love. Oh, real love. And here we see him kind of like pining for attention in a very overt way. Whereas before he said it a bit more passively or a bit more coded here, he's being a very, he's a very, he's being very overt in his want and need for love and more importantly, affection. It's kind of, it's kind of heartbreaking to hear it like this, you know? Then we go to, Earl Sweatshirt, who I think is a perfect choice for a feature because Earl has a very um, naturally boring aura about him. And I'm not saying that he's boring, but he has a not, I don't want to say boring per se, because that could be insulting, even if I don't mean it that way. I do want to say Earl has a very um, low vibration about him, right? And I think that's the perfect person to have on a song like this. And when I say low vibration, I don't mean um bad i don't i don't know why y'all do that to me when i think of someone with low vibration i think of someone who was more introverted janae would have low vibrations to me solange would have low vibrations to me uh i'm trying to think of more people but those are my two people primarily um low vibrations is not sad it's not bad it's not a negative thing by any means it just means that you vibe on a lower key than other people and that's not a bad thing it's not a bad thing at all so he was perfect for this song because of that and he brings to the song almost like a <sighs> all right turn the mic on i guess i gotta be here type you know a very you know whatever i got this i got this little verse i did and he eats. He tears this song apart. <laughs> so he goes, close your eyes to what you can't imagine. And that is kind of crazy. That speaks to people who are trying to picture something, you know, and it's kind of hard, you know. But when, you, when you're very rich, you don't have to close your eyes. But I feel like for him, Earl is speaking to, let's, let's play a game. So let's paint a picture, I should say. So Frank is speaking to the audience through his experiences as a super rich kid. Earl is like a liaison, like a like a he's like a middleman. He's coming out on the stage and he's like, okay, let me make this a little bit different for y'all. Cause he's speaking to us in a sense of this is what it looks like. You know, I I know you may not be able to relate. I know you may not quite understand what my nigga Frank is trying to say. This is what it looks like in middle class or poor terms and that's how it that's his verse perspective if that makes sense so earl says all right close your eyes to what you can't imagine <laughs> and it's like you may not be able to picture this or whatever but if you close your eyes i'll paint the picture for you we are the zanny gnashing candy smashing which is hmm and this is again speaking to a generation specifically we can go back to that that um, euphoria thing that I brought up earlier. This is the kids that are unfortunately choosing to partake in medicinal drugs, right? 
And that's not to say that the generations before didn't, but I'm just saying the kids these days are into zannies. They're into a different array of drugs. So it's like, we are the zanny gnashing, candy smashing, bratty asses. He mad he snatched his daddy's jag. And <laughs> this is funny because we, we heard before Joy rides in daddy's Jaguar, right? So bratty asses and it's like to someone who's not a part of this lifestyle of course it can come off as bratty of course it can come off as ungrateful and i'm not here to argue that it's not i am here to say that just because people come from an array of wealth does not mean that that person deserves to not be raised in a fully loved home boom bratty assy he mad he smashed his he mad he snatched his daddy's jag and used that shit for bratting bratting and use that shit for batting practice mm. so mm, there's a few different ways that he could have meant this he could have meant that frank ocean pulled a roll bounce and took the bat to the car <laughs> or there's this weird thing that white people do where like they would like get in the car and like roll down the window and like one of them would hang out the window with a bat and they would like ride down and, like smash mailboxes which tampering with a mailbox is a federal crime do not do it but they would like smash mailboxes as it's like this weird prank thing so he could have been speaking towards that i think it's more so that he took the bat to the car like a roll bounce thing and if you know what i mean you know what i mean that was a weird scene anyway adamant and he thrashing <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um one thing I will say about when you have someone who's emotionally stunted or someone who's not emotionally mature, a lot of people are, and that's not a bad thing, it's just a thing that exists in the world. It's very common for them to act in immature ways, which duh. But he's speaking to how, you know, to you, it may look immature or childish, but to them, this is the the best way that they know how to express themselves by throwing these tantrums and, and lashing out. Purchasing crappy grams with half the handy cash you handed. <laughs> so this is this is funny. So we heard before that he had um green on lucky charms. And so this is it, you know, purchasing crappy grams as in you're not even giving good weed. You don't even have good reefer, you know, and we're purchasing it, purchasing, ugh, we're purchasing it with half the hand of cash you handed us because we're going to use the other half for other things. Have you ever done that? I'm guilty of that. I asked my mom like, hey, can I get $10? And with the $10, I would spend five on gas and I would spend the other five on some food. I'm not, why would I put the whole 10 in my car? Why? <laughs> I'm also... I have a history of not having a lot of gas in my car. So <laughs> it's the truth. It's the God honest truth. Um, panic and patch me up. So it's like, okay, so you freak out and then you try to like put these band-aids on these very serious wounds. Pappy done latchkey us. And it's like, okay. So being a latchkey kid is something that was really big in my mom's generation. My mom was born in the 70s. Um, so she was raised in the 80s and 90s. And a latchkey kid is, is is essentially a kid who, from a very early age, 
was allowed a lot of freedom and a lot of rain to kind of like find your way back home. And you would have a key where you would just like open the door for yourself. And there was this rule of like, by parents typically, don't open this door for nobody. And that was it. That was the security. That was the babysitting. That was, that was it. And latchkey, I don't know if that's as popular as it was before, but the world's changed a lot since the 70s, unfortunately. So, whatever. Toying with Raggy Ann's and Mammy done had enough. So, a Raggedy Ann is a Barbie doll. Ooh, that is a bad way to say that. A Raggedy Ann is a doll. And she has, like, ragamuffin clothes, and she looks kind of, like, homey. And so, essentially, what he's trying to convey here is, like, um, a Raggedy Ann is, like, a girl that's just not what the mother would feel is up to par for her child. And so, and Mammy didn't had enough. Now, yeah, he's talking about his mom. I was about to say, you could be talking about, you know, one of the maids that's around the house helping him. But he said Pappy, so I'm assuming Mammy is mom. And so she's just fed up. Like, why you keep running around with these busted assholes? Why? Why? Hopefully she don't say it like me, but why? Okay. And then he goes, brash as fuck, breaching all these aqueducts. This is where we're getting into Earl's brain. Earl's a very smart dude. Very smart. So... Brash as fuck, breaching all the aqueducts, which essentially is like, um, I'm I'm reaching my breaking point. I can play like tough and rough and rough and tough in my Afro puffs, but the truth is, like, I am getting very close to my limit, and it's getting overwhelming, and I'm I'm really about to explode over all this shit, right? And then he doubles down on it and says, if not if he says, don't believe us. Treat us like we can't erupt. Yeah. Right? So if you don't believe I'm truly at my limit, and if you don't believe that I'm truly about to just go and just explode over all of it, fine. So treat us like we can't erupt and see what happens. So then we slide into verse, oh, the alternative. No, I don't want to hear the alternative verse two. I want to hear the verse three. So verse three goes, we end our day up on the roof, okay? The same roof that we started on. So we're making a full circle moment, right? I'll say I'll jump, but I'll never do. And it's like, uh, what? <laughs> and so this is where we get the nightfall. Because in the beginning of the day, he said, I start my day up on the roof. Um, there's nothing like this type of view. And there was always this weird undertone of like, um, I don't want to say not being grateful, but there was always this weird undertone of like not being impressed by these things because he's seen them so much. He's so used to them. But then we end our day up on the roof. So like we're closing the day down and it's a we again. Um, you can. So we know that he's not by himself because remember when the maid passed by, it was a we. Right. But when the day started, I start my day up on the roof. So there's a, a jumping back and forth of like this is a shared experience but I'm an individual of this shared experience, if that makes sense. So it's odd because he's not alone throughout all of this. Um, that just speaks to the emotional immaturity ringing its head in the sense of codependency. That's what that is. I say I'll jump, but I never do. And we all have those threats with our lives. And I'm not trying to trigger warning, trigger warning, trigger warning, trigger warning. I have had those moments with myself like, oh, you know what, girl? Maybe it's time for me to clock out. <laughs> And I'm not trying to make it a laughing matter because I would never, I would never. But 
for some people that does circle their mind of like maybe it's time for me to clock out maybe maybe this is where my shift ends here you know and i think for him that crosses his mind mind crosses his mind more than some other people because of his emotional gaps that he has in his life and then he goes but when i'm drunk i like a fool now one thing that i've learned in school about the word but is when you do when you put the word but anything before that word is voided out right right um but when i'm drunk i act a fool and it's like okay so none of this none of this none of this matters none of this matters about the end of the day the saying you'll jump and never jumping so none of that to me that's how i process that now and then he goes talking about <laughs> do they make sewings on tailored suits hmm this is kind of wild because why are you talking about why why are you talking about do they sew wings on tailored suits if you're not genuinely talking about jumping off the ledge like why would it matter if they literally sew the wings onto the suit and then there's that that rain that common thread of elitism do they sew wings on tailored suits that's a very hmm Mm, that's a very peculiar line I've never noticed that line before and says I'm on my ledge I'm on that ledge sorry she grabs my arm and she slaps my head it's good times yeah so he steps up on there and he's acting he's being silly do they sew wings on Taylor too nah, 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 nah. and so she grabs his arm to like pull him down from the ledge because she realizes that he's being silly. She has no idea he's being dead serious. And then she goes, and there's another line that I'll say at the very, very end um, about why I don't want to double down on him being so serious about this. She slaps his hand like, you know, like, um, like a, you know, like a caregiver would to like a little baby. You, you, naughty, naughty. Um, she slaps my hand. It's good times. Yeah. Sleeve rips off, I slip off all. That's that's a lot. <laughs> okay, that's okay. All right. So he's standing on the ledge, playing around, joking around, and then she grabs his arm, and in grabbing his arm, she slaps his hand like, "Hey, like stop, like you're being naughty," which also speaks to the Im the emotional immaturity of him, right? And then. In her grabbing his hand, in her grabbing his arm, he slips and the sleeve rips and he falls. But remember, there's nothing like this type of view. He's he's very high up. He's very, very high up. Okay. The market's down like 60 stories. This can be taken a few different ways, primarily in the sense of um, physically. So like a building. You know, being 60 stories high in a building is a pretty, pretty high thing. But also, falling down a 60-story building is a, is a feat. And I don't mean a feat in like a it's, a, it's a big thing to do. But also, the story is falling down. 
his story arc of this story. His arc of this story is falling down. The climax is past. And then he says, and some don't end the way they should. So there's a sense of like, in the midst of this, there's a sense of, oh, like, this isn't how I was supposed to go. Well, this, mm, this isn't how it's supposed to go. This may be how I think I'm supposed to go, how I, how I desire to go, but this isn't how I'm supposed to go. This isn't how I should go. This isn't how my story should end. And then he goes, my silver spoon has fed me good. Silver spoon in your mouth is in a, is a saying. I don't know if it's in other countries, but it for sure is in America. Um, kids who are born with a silver spoon in their mouth are essentially kids who are spoiled. And there's this whole, I mean, you could probably Google it and get a lot of, a lot of great articles about the real effects of having kids too spoiled and how that really manifests in their adult life. But it culminates to the story that we've been reading so far about someone who was raised well off financially, but with so many other emotional and mental gaps that the finances couldn't give him enough grace to cover those things. They just couldn't. And then we repeat something that we said earlier, a million one, a million cash. And this is why I think that he meant to jump this line right here that I'm about to read. I genuinely believe that the whole day meant so much to him that he had to make a song about it. And I'm not saying about Frank Ocean, I'm saying about this character. This whole day meant a lot that he had to like bring the cameras in, come document me waking up on the roof. It meant a lot because he knew that it was his last day. And that's close my eyes and feel the crash. Now, the reason I think that this is in indicative of a... um clocking out if you clocking out if you will is because that's the first time I think he said feel in this song let's google no you said the shower head feels amazing I think right one second yeah that was mm. that's it the shower head feels so amazing love that line it's so funny that should have told me that he had a girl in the house because it said shower head duh. anyway so, so he says close my eyes and feel the crash and so when i think of someone closing their eyes or when i think of this person closing their eyes during this push jump it's almost as if they're like leaning in to it you know like like yes this is happening this is happening to me but i want to embrace this you know, and he said, and feel the crash. And it's like, oh, so you wanted to feel something. And this is the way that you chose to, like, get the ultimate feeling of something. Like, you've been numbing yourself with drugs and alcohol and all these other substances and the new car. You've been numbing yourself for so long that you've lost your sense of feeling, whether that be you're feeling physically things or you're feeling emotionally. You've lost your sense of feel. And so with making this decision, which I do believe that he made this decision, this is your one way to feel something. So of course you're going to lean into it. Of course you're going to close your eyes and truly embrace it because let's be honest, and I hate to even word it like this, and I hope that I'm not triggering anyone who is dealing with self-harm. Please call and get genuine, genuine, genuine help. When I think about someone who is 
in the process of committing the the clocking out of this life and them closing their eyes it's almost like when you're falling from, from falling forward falling for 60 stories that can be intimidating right that fall looking around and seeing the ground or seeing the sky or seeing whatever view that you would be privy to seeing that can like make your body tense up and that can make you maybe pass out. That can make a lot of things happen in your life. But to close your eyes is almost like to release that anxiety or the option of anxiety. And it's kind of like a way of um, just embracing the fall. And that alone is just, woo! Oh, that's a lot. That's a lot. Ooh. So then he finishes the song with the chorus again. And then he does this outro, which is very similar to the bridge of um, real love. Ain't that something rare? I'm searching for a real love. Talking about real love. Real love. Yeah. Real love. I'm searching for a real love. Talking about a real love. And so... In conclusion, I have overall arching thoughts of this song, and I just want to share them really quickly because I don't have a music video to cover for this, I don't believe. But I still want to talk to you all for a few more minutes, and then I'm going to play a live version of this song, and I really hope that it like warms your heart and breaks your heart at the same time because that's truly what this song's about. <laughs> Final thoughts. I find this song to be so crazy. <laughs> so crazy and I'm disappointed in myself that I never processed it as a um self-harm letter or a clocking out letter as I can now see that it is or I now believe that it is um Frank Ocean is just a gem of a writer he has this very two-sided way of writing things where for one person it'll hit and it'll feel like this but for a completely other person it'll hit and it'll feel like that and it's so dope to like be able to cross over and be like, oh, I was feeling it. I literally would like play this in the shower and like sing and like be happy about this song when I would play it. You know, I had no idea whatsoever that I was listening to um, such a harmful, sad cry for help. And that's just like, oh my God, oh my God. But it's a beautiful song nonetheless, and it truly has so many different tones, and it has so many different things that it could mean and that it does mean to a lot of different people. And um, I'm going to forever be your friend, a friend. I meant to say fan. <laughs> I'm going to forever be a fan. <laughs> but more importantly, I'm going to forever, ever, ever love this song with this angry angry piano player and i just hope that you guys can learn to love it too all right guys i have frank ocean performing the song live at a festival so it's going to be a very big treat and he's also performing this song way 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 back in the time machine of 2013 so i just want y'all to enjoy this with me
So there's some other things that I want to add that I didn't get a chance to add in before. And had my screen and computer not being adjusted, I would have just went and edited them in. But I can't. So I also want to say that the background singers also sound um, unhappy to be at work. Um, there's this harmony at the very end of the song that I truly love. It, like, warms my heart. And if you heard me in the back, I was, like, humming it. I can't sing. So I won't do that to y'all. Maybe one day, but not right now. But... What I do want to say is um, at the end is when that harmony takes place with him and the background girls, and they sound really good. And the more that I hear it, the more it sounds euphoric. Hmm. That's so strange that after the crash would happen, a euphoric melody or a euphoric harmony would take place. That's such a strange place to put harmonies, Franklin. It's such a weird place to put it. But yes, and all in all in all, I truly believe that this was a self-harm note um, of a day of documenting his last day. Um, I truly believe that unfortunately this is a young man who has just lost his way and was honestly just dealt a poor hand from the jump. And I know that that's a pun, but I love puns. I, I love them. Mm, so in all... As always, you can find me on all the social medias at Dom V. Harris, and I will see you guys next week with another Frank Ocean song. This is our first double header. This is our first double up. And honestly, this song I thought was beautiful too. And it's not. It's apparently about death. Who would have knew? <laughs> but I'll see you guys next week. Don't forget, tune into Loquacious Dom. Everywhere you can find podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Spreaker, Anchor, anywhere you can find podcasts, I'm there in a corner. Just search me up. Bye. Have a great day.